everybody, I'm John Miller. This is Everybody Trades. And right now, you know what you're listening to? Well, some of the music from the very end of Avengers Infinity War. Pretty good stuff, right? This is some good classical music. Honestly, this is way better than it has any right to be. It's one of those things about these Marvel Comic Universe movies, right? No matter what you think of them, no matter what you think of the plot, well, this stuff is really well made, isn't it? I absolutely love the music from this film. It's one thing that's interesting about movies these days, right? It's just all your best classical music, all your best stuff. You get this 80-piece orchestra just to do the end credits for the Avengers movie. Incredible, right? Well, anyway, hey, however we got to keep art alive, I'll take it. But anyway, got a little off track there. How y'all doing on this beautiful Monday afternoon? So I've been thinking about lately, I've, I've actually been thinking about the movie Avengers Infinity War a good bit the last few months. And just based on the way that some people have taken it and the way others have taken it. I think it's actually quite revealing to our society how certain members have taken the ending of this movie and and just how it was also portrayed by Disney, Marvel Comics, Universe, etc. But also, it's also perfect timing because, you know what? Captain Marvel's coming out this week. This Friday, I believe, maybe late Thursday night. So what better time to delve into this Silly, and also very fun and well-written, well, well, I should at least say well-made thing we call the Marvel Comics Universe, and of course, the Avengers, what, quadrilogy now? This will be the fourth one, in-game coming up here in a couple months. So anyway, if you haven't seen these movies, and for whatever reason, you haven't seen them, and you really, really want to see them, and don't have them spoiled, well... By all means, you better turn this off because I'm about to spoil the hell out of Avengers Infinity War and the whole Marvel Comics universe movies, that whole movie run so far here. So if you're still there in five seconds, it's on you, okay? Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. So first of all, I'm going to level with you guys. I'm not the world's biggest comic book guy by any stretch of the imagination, nor am I the number one purveyor of Marvel Comics fan fiction or conspiracy theories or anything like that. So I'll just put that out there right now. But I've seen most of these movies. I haven't even seen, to be honest, the Ultron movie, the Age of Ultron Avengers. I saw the first Avengers and I thought, eh, it was all right. So I honestly didn't even bother with the second one. But the more recent Thor Ragnarok, the more recent Spider-Man Homecoming and the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies... Between all that stuff, I felt like I was sufficiently caught up for Avengers Infinity War. And here's the deal. Basically, in Avengers Infinity War, just in case you're one of the two people on the planet who's listening to this that hasn't seen this film, essentially the, well, ostensibly, again, we're going to get to who the bad guy is in this movie, but ostensibly the bad guy in this movie is Thanos, a rather large purple creature of some sort. Voiced by Josh Brolin. And he is of the belief that the universe, not just a single planet like Earth, for instance, but no, all of the entire universe, everything that is encompassed by the knowable world, I I suppose you could say, is overpopulated. And if if we don't thin the herd, essentially, then 
everybody's going to die, not just humanity, but all the aliens and various different life forms that inhabit all of all of the universe. We're all screwed, essentially. This is Thanos' belief. This is his view of the universe. Again, not just the world, but anything you can possibly think of. So clearly, I think we're already starting to see that perhaps Thanos has a bit of a grandiose take on his own knowledge. Are we seeing that, perhaps? Well, you know what? Actually, let's just get into this soundbite I cut really quickly. See, Thanos here, again, voiced by Josh Brolin, who, you, who you'll hear, is having a debate or sort of heart-to-heart with his adopted daughter, if you will, Gamora, who is played by Zoe Saldana. So those are the two people you'll be hearing in this clip, and let's take a listen. I was a child when you took me. I saved you. No. No. We were happy on my home planet. Going to bed hungry, scrounging for scraps. Your planet was on the brink of collapse. I'm the one who stopped that. Do you know what's happened since then? The children born have known nothing but full bellies and clear skies. It's a paradise. half the planet. A small price to pay for salvation. You're insane. Little one, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite. Its resource is finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that! I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. So again, Thanos explains there quite clearly. In Gamora's home planet, which they were assumedly, according to, well, not assumedly, we'll just take their word for it. I'll I'll take the scriptwriter's word for it. How about that? So they're saying that Gamora and her people were starving. And Thanos came in there and essentially wiped out half the planet. And by golly, that was the ticket to paradise because, well, we had enough food for half the planet, but somehow if you just doubled the people then I guess his assumption is, or maybe perhaps even the, re- the, re- the screenwriter's assumption is that, well, I guess those half the people, none of them would be productive. None of them could learn how to grow food. See, I suppose if you wanted to be, I don't know, almost Hitler or, or Stalin-esque about it, you could select the unproductive half of the planet, and maybe that would work. But no, Thanos' thing is, is I'm just going to... Once I collect, you see in the movie, there's this thing called, there's the infinity stones. Okay. And so his whole, the whole plot is kind of driven by him collecting these infinity stones. And once he puts the the last stone in this glove and he can snap his fingers and essentially kill half the people in all the universe, not just Gamora's home planet. Well, again, how could anyone possibly know that? And again, that's to me, that's the most powerful part of that monologue is what Gamora says. Let's, let's actually revisit that moment. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that! I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. See, that's good stuff. 
See, he says the universe needs correction, which is one of the greatest euphemisms of all time. Is that not something that we always see from dictators? They use euphemisms for things like mass murder. That's just a correction, you see. And one thing I will agree with with Thanos that he didn't say in that one, but in the longer bite that he said, it's a simple calculus. Less people essentially means, hey, we'll have more resources. Well, that's exactly right. That's a simple calculus, a wildly oversimplistic calculus. And in fact, if you just look at the history of world population, American population, there was about a billion people. It took all of essentially human existence, based on estimates that I've seen, to get to a billion people until like 1800. It took that long to get to a billion people. Well, now we have 7 billion people on the planet. You might think, yeah, a lot of them are starving. Well, essentially all of us were starving for the first hundreds and thousands of years of human existence. It wasn't really until the 1800s that people really in a major way, in a very large scale way, started figuring out how to sustainably grow lots and lots of food and other and other types of production outside of food things that could grow other parts essentially what i'm saying is the industrial revolution came along and not only did that cause a whole lot of people to a lot of people's lives to go longer than obviously people had more babies these babies were more likely to survive childbirth the women were more likely to survive these are all positive outcomes of course for the individual, yes, if you survive childbirth, that's great. If you have a bunch of healthy children that go on and live long, healthy lives, and indeed you're long, your life is longer and healthier. These are all great things on the individual level. But people like Thanos would have you believe that, oh my God, this is a terrible thing. We're all going to run out of resources. Ah, help, help. Well, Thanos is not alone. You see, in 1968, on a real planet that we call Earth, not outside, not in the Marvel Comics universe, but in the real universe, there was a man named Paul Ehrlich who wrote a book called The Population Bomb, hilariously with his wife, who was uncredited. Boy, that's how it goes, isn't it? But anyway, essentially, he, he took Thanos' side and said, oh my God, guys, look at how much the world population has grown since 1800 and we're all going to die. Well, the problem is, is now... Not only has the world's population continued to grow, but America's population has continued to grow. The West has continued to grow. The last 50 years, America has almost doubled in terms of population, and yet America is a far better place to live than it was 50 years ago. And while, yes, there are parts of the world that are continuing to grow at a rather large pace, it's not the more free parts of the world. You see, the freest parts of the world are the wealthiest parts of the world, relatively free that is and they're also the ones where you're actually seeing the population growth start to level off it's actually leveled off a lot despite the fact that we had huge growth in the last 50 years see that was the baby boomers the baby boomers there were tons of them but they didn't have as many kids and you know what their kids are even having less kids at least they're delaying family starting much more than previous generations so there's a yin and a yang, and there's a dynamic changing to people's behavior in the future based on their circumstances. This is the type of thing that people like 
Paul Ehrlich, and indeed the fictional character named Thanos, totally disregard. And again, they disregard the idea that many people are actually quite productive. Wildly so. What if Thanos, in his self-appointed infinite wisdom, killed off the next Albert Einstein? The next person who would have created the clean energy source that would have lifted millions and trillions of people and aliens and creatures out of universal poverty, if you will. The point is, Thanos does not know nearly as much as he thinks he does. You don't know that! Thank you, Gamora. And also, just to address his thing about Gamora's planet having full bellies, well, you know what? Every Ponzi scheme... The early players always get paid off in the beginning. I'd like to see how that works out in the long run. Because if you're a policy of destruction is never going to be a long-term solution for growth, is it? But you know what? I can hear some of you right now. You're probably saying, oh, what a straw man argument. Nobody really thinks that less population literally choking off, at least in 2019, nobody really thinks that. Au contraire, my friend, because you know what? When I was listening to the extra spoilerific edition of the Film Vault recently, and I was really surprised by what I heard in this quick discussion. And you know what? This is who you're going to hear here is uh, Anderson Cowan and Brian Bishop, two guys I really enjoy hearing their takes about movies. But you know what? I wouldn't say I really link up. Or I'm totally simpatico with either one of them, which is another reason why I like the show. I feel like if they both agree on something, then I'll probably like the movie. But in this case, I end up disagreeing with both of them. So let's just hear that quick bite. Well, I mean, Thanos isn't like singling out any one race or anything. I mean, then he'd be evil. But he's just trying to thin the herd for the good of the future. Otherwise, we're all fucked. Right? True. No, he ultimately has a sort of Machiavellian and justify the means goal. So again, let me get this straight. It'd be okay. It's okay because he's randomly killing all the people for the quote-unquote good of the universe. And again, that is what happens in the movie. He essentially snaps his finger and half the creatures on the planet are wiped out, including major characters like Spider-Man, Black Panther, uh, the Starman guy, <laughs> Dave Batista's character. See, I told you I'm not that good at this Marvel Universe stuff. But my point is, yeah, so he wipes out all these people, and apparently uh, a lot of these were good people that actually helped the universe and were productive members of society who actually uh, protected a lot of the universe. But no, Thanos and in his infinite wisdom, they just all got to go. But you notice that Thanos... No, he wasn't one of the people who disappeared. No, he wasn't, was he? Now, I guess you could say, well, it was random. He could have been killed, too. I have a feeling that wasn't part of his wish. I have a feeling that Mr. Thanos likes to live in a universe, pardon the pun, where he is indispensable. See, I think that's one of the big things about Thanos as a character and about eh, just about any dictator or anybody who really, really desires any type of political power, they all think they're indispensable and that they should be subject to a different set of rules as the rest of us. And just so we're clear, I actually think people, depending on 
what type of people you see all people aren't created equal that's yeah we should all be treated equally under the law certainly in terms of rights that i agree with but nobody would say that all people are created equal for instance take like lebron james him and his wife are incredibly rich and wealthy and they seemed like they're really good parents so hey if they literally doubled the population of their household, if there was suddenly, they went from three kids to six, well, they could probably handle it. And those six kids would probably end up being really nice, productive, tax-paying, if you like that, Mr. Collectivist members of society. But you know what? LeBron James at 16 years old, if he would have suddenly had went from zero kids to three kids, that might have been a big problem. And that goes to my point of, if you really are all about equality, well, LeBron James wasn't equal to himself at 16 as he is today. So equality, really? See, I think we're all just going to have to, again, be equal under the law, meaning no flicking a magical switch or thumb that kills everybody just because, hey, at least we're equal that way. No, there's no equality there. Because you're equally, half of you are equally dead and the rest of us are equally alive. That's not equality. The bottom line is we can always take on more productive, good members of society. And if you actually drive around this country, this world, you'll find there's wide open spaces all over the place. There's lots of places that can still be homesteaded and cultivated, what have you. But it'll take some capital savings and, you know, some investment. It's certainly not going to take a person in Washington or a person with some infinity stones to snap their finger and make it all good for the rest of us. No, actually, collectively, as individuals, we make the world a better place. We don't need these central planning Thanos people and their overinflated, grandiose ideas. So you know what? This has been kind of a random episode of Everybody Trades. I hope you've enjoyed it. And you know what? Let's get out of here with some of that more glorious, glorious Marvel Comics classical music. Oh, yeah. Drinking it, everybody. I love this stuff. Anyway, I'm out of here. See you all later. Until next time on Everybody Trades. <laughs>